It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We're back on the program tonight. This is the August 23rd, 2012 edition of the Virtual Bible Study. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back. Welcome to the program, Dad. Jacob, great to be back. Always I better get a microphone over here. You've been gone too long. You forgot how this works. Yeah. Oh, looking forward to our discussion tonight. I always look forward to our Thursday night Bible studies on the internet. How was your uh, trip to Michigan? Great. We had a great we had a great meeting uh, at Deckerville, Michigan. Uh, very small church there, but uh, we got a lot of response from the community and uh, really felt good about the outcome of, of the preaching efforts there last week. All right, good. Uh, we're glad that you did that, and we're glad that you're back on the program tonight, and we're glad that you are listening. Uh, to the program, and we look forward to your participation on an interesting topic. I think this is the first time in the history of our, uh, well, you, you didn't use the word that the article used, lame. I, just, I was going to say it's the first time that we've used the word lame for any of our topics. Yeah, well, can... That's not the first time we've had a lame topic, maybe, but the first time we've used the word. Yeah, we came across an article, it's actually in a publication called uh, Christian Post, the Christian Post, uh, and an author by the name of Greg Steyer uh, wrote an article entitled Ten Lame Excuses for Not Sharing Your Faith. And so uh, we thought we would follow his guidelines there and talk about what I think are some of the very excuses that we often use for not doing our duty and sharing the gospel with other people. Our friend uh, Randy in Jackson, Missouri, sent us this link. So Randy, Thank you, thanks Randy. for that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I think it might make a, a, a worthy discussion because this is very important stuff. We need to be talking about it. I, I, I got a I got an email from our friend Chris in the UK, and uh, he sent a quote that just emphasizes the importance of telling others about salvation. And this is from a highly unlikely source. So, Chris, thanks for sending this. He quotes atheist Penn Gillette. I think a lot of listeners might be familiar with Penn and Teller, a comedic duo. Uh, Penn is the bigger guy who talks. Teller is the one who is is mute, never says anything. Uh, But this Penn Gillette, uh, he commented, he says someone gave him a Gideon Bible. Now, he's going to use the word proselytize rather than evangelize, but as Chris says, the point's the same. Here's the quote. This is from Penn Teller, uh, or excuse me, Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller. Uh, he says, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and who say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to, to yourself, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you, 
there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this, the business of religion, is more important than that. I, I thought that was a pretty amazing quote coming from an atheist. The atheist is actually chiding us. If we really believe, we ought to be telling people about All it. All right. Well, we want to talk about that tonight. Maybe give us some courage in doing that uh, and being more uh Diligent about it. 877-381-4567 if you'd like to share your thoughts on the subject tonight. Questions at collegeu.com and the email is open and the chat room is open to the right of your video window if you'd like to join in the chat room. For other listeners there, I see Jason in Pennsylvania, John in Oklahoma, and plenty of time for you to join in the discussion as well. If you show up as me in the chat room, you're not signed in. Sign in by following instructions at the bottom of your window. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We always believe that our program is better if you participate, so please join in, either in the chat room, a phone call, email. Uh, we, we'll take uh, any comments that you care to add. Jason in Pennsylvania, who's in the chat room, also sent an email, and he had a couple of introductory remarks that are good. He said, we're going to talk about excuses. We'll read that list of excuses yep. here in a minute. But okay. he said, all of these excuses are just a cover-up for the truth, which is that we fill up too much of our time and make it so we do not have the time for evangelism. The truth is that we will make time for the things that are most important to us. If we're too busy to evangelize, there's something wrong with our priorities. Okay. We also do not care enough about the lost. We need to remember that there was someone that cared enough about us. Also, if someone's house was on fire, we'd be calling their phone off the hook and banging on their door to make sure they're saved from the fire. Why are we not this way about the eternal fire of God's wrath that every lost person will suffer? Mm -hmm. It may be the case we just don't care at all about the lost or do not want to evangelize. If this is the case, we need to repent and obey the commands of Scripture. I heard a quote a while back from Charles Spurgeon that said, quote, If we don't care about the lost or have any desire to share the gospel, we're probably not saved ourselves. All right, Jason, Good thank Jason. you for those comments. Again, Jason is in the chat room if you'd like to uh, comment with him uh, tonight. All well, right, you've got ten things there, and maybe we can ex expand this list as we go on, uh, but uh, we've got ten to start with. Pretty good pretty good list of ten, sort of a top ten list uh, of reasons. He says, uh, uh, Greg Steyer says they're lame, lame excuses for not sharing your faith. Number one, he said it's not it's the pastor's job, not mine. I changed that on our list, say it's the preacher's job, not mine, because I imagine this fella... Uh, yeah, well, uh, he may mean something different than that, but someone might say it's the pastor's job and be Yeah, but I, I imagine that he's uh, got a denominational concept of yeah. pastor, so I imagine he's thinking preacher, and I think that's what we might be more inclined to think is the preacher's job, not mine, number one. Number two, I don't know what to say. Number three, I just live the gospel with my life, meaning being, I, I'll just let them learn by my example. I don't mm -hmm. have to talk. Mm-hmm. Number four, I'm waiting for the perfect timing. Number five, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Number six, they could reject me. Mm -hmm. Number seven, I have bad breath. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Number eight, I don't know how to bring it up. Number nine, I'm terrified. Number ten, they may ask me a question I don't have the answer to. Okay. I think those are all legitimate, with the possible exception of the one I have bad breath. But right, we'll, we'll talk, joke. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to it. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Monty is behind the controls tonight, and Monty, we'll look forward to getting your comments in as we go along tonight. Thank you for being here. And thank you for inviting me. And uh, the chat room is uh, a buzz tonight. Two people are doing the talking, and Anthony has just showed up, and he's helping as well. But uh, Jason and John... Uh, from different parts of the country are going back and forth with some good discussion there. 
and you want to be in there if you're not uh, in there already tonight. John suggests in the chat room, we may, you know, in teaching others, it may be very helpful to have a dedicated series of lessons to study through with someone, not just try to wing it. And I think that that's uh, probably good advice. Uh, Jason responds, a long series of studies is okay, but it is assuming that we have the opportunity to get through the whole series before the Lord comes back or that person dies. And, and I would say you got to do something to get to the point of a, of a longer study. True. Now, in other words, I think a lot of, of what we need to do is initiate those conversations that may lead to a study. Uh, if we get a chance to study, a, a, a sort of an organized study is a very good plan, but we've got to be doing our work to open the door to those opportunities. And I think we use a lot of these excuses to simply not even bring it up. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, John says, yeah, you might have only five or ten minutes, Monty. I think we don't no, need that's to That's your be, arm waving yeah. over there, isn't it? I think we don't need to be worrying about the length of study like the guy said, you know, the might be that the Lord comes back first. We don't need to worry about that. We just need to worry about Get getting started. the study going. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus will take care of when he comes back, and we just need to take care of teaching. All yeah. right. Uh uh, John mentions that uh, we can. Let's see, well, the, the thing keeps moving, and I'm losing my track here. He says uh, it, it doesn't take long to. Uh, well, yeah, you, you, they keep talking while you're trying to talk. And yeah. it's messing you up, isn't it? Uh, uh, he says, however, to truly convince and persuade, we might require more time than we have at the moment. But we should get yeah, our foot in the of, door the with that moment of time. Yeah. Maybe open the door, and I appreciate that comment. Yeah, and, he's, and Jason says, I believe in a short time we can show someone that we really care about their souls. And Anthony says, you never know what a brief word may produce years down the road. Hey, you know, you know, we, I think one of the things we need to do is we need to let people know that we are interested in spiritual things, and we're interested in them. Now, that may not strike a chord with them at that moment, but as but at some point, I think everybody, or at least almost everybody gets around to thinking about spiritual matters or wondering about the meaning of life or what's going to happen when they die. And if they have in mind that we are are a religious person who who showed an interest to them uh, about right. them in the past, then right. they may come to us when right. they reach that moment. That's right. And uh, those those moments do come along. And as you say, the situations of life that may cause them to be more receptive to the gospel, more interested, if that foundation or that door is maybe, as John said, cracked open. And that would help. And Jason makes a good point, and this could be a soapbox as well. He says, we need to believe that the gospel is as powerful as Scripture says it is. A lot of people in their their efforts to evangelize are gimmicking up the gospel yeah. and, uh, and their approach and their methods. And uh, I'm afraid it does show that people, even Christians, are somewhat not convinced that the gospel is really what people need. Yeah, and that, that it needs help. You know, yeah, we've got we, we got to start a softball league. Because the gospel won't draw people, but softball will. Then if we get them with the softball, we might be able to dump a little religion on them. Well, even people who would say that wouldn't be authorized would say, well, we want to do something more gimmicky, you know, something just sort of not be so direct. Okay. okay. All right, let's get to these to these excuses, Jay. We've got ten of them, and we, we want to try to cover all the bases. We've got a lot of emails tonight. I'm really grateful for everybody who sent in email. What about the idea that it is the preacher's job? Uh, John, who's in the chat room, also sent us a good email, and he mentioned several uh, response, uh, verses that suggest responsibility of everyone, not just the preacher, to evangelize. John, Jason, and Anthony are in the chat room, and they sent us email. They're wanting Doing extra credit tonight. They get extra stars in their crown tonight. 
Matthew, John mentions Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus told his disciples to make disciples of all nations. Jesus went on to say, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, which would also include the command to go and make disciples. So he told his disciples, go and make disciples, and then teach them everything else I told you, which would include go make disciples. It's a it's a continually rolling forward command. Yes. I agree, John. He says, considering consider after the stoning of Stephen, those who went ever who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, Acts eight four. So even under persecution they did this work. The apostle Paul told Timothy to quote, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We should be looking in other words, we should teach and teach people who can teach more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, to the, quote, pilgrims of the dispersion, said to, quote, be ready always to uh, to give a defense to everyone that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you, First Peter 3.15. In other words, we all have this obligation to be able to give an answer when people ask us about the hope we have. And he says there are no Bible examples of commands that would allow a Christian to hire someone to obey God on our behalf in regards to evangelism. We can't pay the preacher and then say, well, that absolves me of my personal duty. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Jason in the chat room. He says, it's everyone's job. The Great Commission is for everyone. Jesus tells the apostles in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Uh, the same point that uh, that John made there. He clearly in this verse is talking to the apostles, but it's interesting what Jesus tells the, them to teach the disciples. He told them to teach all disciples to observe all things that were commanded of the apostles, including the command he just gave them to go into the entire world to teach the gospel. You may not feel like it is your... Uh, is your calling, but it is. We're called to love our neighbors. We obviously love uh, ourselves enough to want to get to heaven, but do we love the lost in this way? If we do love them, we will act. We're called to be like Jesus. Jesus had a compassionate heart for the lost. He had so much love for them that he was willing to even die so they could have hope. What kind of compassion do we have? We Do we see the lost people as Jesus did, as helpless lost sheep without a shepherd? Matthew 9, verse 36. Thank you, Jason. In the chat room, Anthony says, I think we kind of psych ourselves out. Uh, I think things like, quote, I don't think I could really convince an atheist that there's even a God to begin with. I think the very antagonistic attitude toward Christians in our culture fuels this doubt. In other words, we're facing a strong headwind when it comes to teaching people the, the gospel, and we allow that to discourage us from doing our job. I think Anthony's probably right about it. And... Uh and uh, he, it, it, uh, Jason goes on, he says, we are viewed by atheists as being people that do not reason when they are the ones that don't reason. Uh, okay. And yeah. uh, and Anthony says, uh, most people at least believe in God, so we shouldn't let the extremists scare us. I think that's right. And Anthony sent in an email. He said, it is certainly the preacher's job, but he's not the only one who can and should do it. The New Testament is filled with, filled with examples of non-preachers who taught others. Very good. And our faithful correspondent, Chris in Atlanta, yes, Chris. says... Uh, this statement, in other words, it's the preacher's job, not mine, it, it's half correct. It is the preacher's job, but it's also every other Christian's job. And he mentions Mark sixteen fifteen and Matthew twenty eight nineteen, references to the Great Commission. Also, uh, the, the verse in 2 Timothy 2, 2, where we're to teach faithful men who can teach others also. And Chris in the U.K. sent in uh, some verses that show that it is our job. Uh, Great Commission, Matthew yes. 28 again. Acts 8, verse 3 and 4, where the people that were scattered went everywhere. Second uh, Timothy 4, verse 5, uh, do the work of evangelists, fulfill thy ministry. I think that was directed towards an evangelist. but uh, And it is his job. Yeah, and, yeah. and and the, the preacher's got to be busy. I mean, I think that the preacher is privileged. Speaking as a preacher, I feel privileged to be able to devote my full time mm-hmm. to preaching and teaching the word. And therefore, the bar's pretty high. I mean, I, 
I, I have more time to do that than others have. Therefore, I think God will hold me especially accountable to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, I don't think, we, we, as a preacher, I don't think preachers can duck this responsibility, but they can't, no matter how hard the preachers work, he hasn't done any of your work. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. Uh, he goes on, First John 2, verse 23, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. We are all given the commission by the Lord, and during the persecution by Paul, all, including normal people, preached as they traveled. Paul uh, plus, we are uh, commanded to, First uh, Peter 3, verse 15, give an answer to every man that asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So right. There you go. Exactly right. Thanks, Chris. Good points. And Jeff, uh, one of our engineers who's not on the board tonight is emailing us in, and Jeff mentions the Great Commission again, Matthew 28, Mark 16. He says it's a command for all Christians, not just the preachers or the elders, but everyone. Exactly right, right, Jeff. Well, it's time for us to do what we normally do, and that's take a break and give you time to get in on the next excuse. The next excuse is I don't know what to say. So that's where we're going. Well, I'll help you with that. We're going to take a break, and then we'll figure out what to say. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. Determined never to be idle. It's wonderful how much may be done if we are always doing. Man, I wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. You know, during the break, I was looking at these excuses. This We could call this 10, ten lame excuses that people don't call the toll-free 800 number. 877-381-4. Yeah, Monty, I don't know what to say. I'm waiting for the perfect time. Uh, I'm terrified. That might be one, maybe. They don't have to be terrified over the phone. No. And we will not ask a question you don't have the answer to. So call Uh, us, 877-381-4567. We we got a late email just coming in from Patrick who answers these questions. Let me get his on on the idea that it's the preacher's job, not mine. He says, admittedly, as Jesus said, to whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom they commit much, of him will they ask the more. 
Perhaps those with more authority have greater duty, but that does not mean that the rest of us have no duty. Besides that, there are people who need to hear the truth who have no inclination to watch preachers or te- on television, listen to them on radio, read their publications, or visit a church to hear them in person. For people such as these, it's unlike they'll, they'll even encounter a preacher except by divine providence. I suspect not many preachers speak in public places these days. Much more likely they will... It, will be that they'll encounter men such as yourself at work, at social gatherings, at public places. You have access to people that many preachers have little or no access to. Such people depend entirely upon men such as yourself to bring the truth to them. Well said. I think that's exactly right. As a preacher, I realize that I don't have as much contact with the lost people of the world on a day-to-day basis as people who are in the workplace and, and have other means of contact. And so I think that Patrick's observations there are very well stated. Thank you, Patrick. And uh, now to the next question. We have a we have a good uh, comment to lead us into that one. The next uh, the next excuse on our list tonight. The next excuse is I don't know what to say. Along those lines, Randall in the chat room says some people don't know what to say because they're not competent in the word, but they will spend hours in sports, crafts, and other things that they have dedicated time to learn about. The more Bible we learn, the more confidence we will have in sharing that knowledge, just like we are confident when we share any other expertise. I think you're exactly right, Randall. You know, the uh, most people can talk at length and in an informed way about politics, about the weather, about sports. If we, it, And those things are not nearly as important as salvation in Christ Jesus. And we've taken time to, I mean, you, we can quote the stats for the sports team. Right. We can tell all about the various weather systems and how they interact and what's right. going to bring our way. Right. We can certainly talk politics and express our point of view in politics. Money, we can talk about hunting. Hunting and fishing. There's camping. lots of things we can learn yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Gold prospecting. Yeah, money. we can do a little gold prospecting talk. Uh, all right. But, but we, for some reason, we don't want to talk about the most important thing. That's that's just wrong. I think Randall is on the mark there. And Jason says it may say a lot about us when we are more interested in talking about other things. All right, let's get. And to... Anthony gives a hearty amen to Randall's comment. Thank you, Randall, for your comment tonight. Uh, all right. Uh, so, what about this idea? I don't know what to say. Patrick in Birmingham says James one five says, "If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who giveth all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him." Begin with prayer for wisdom and guidance from God, not just once but daily. But you can also learn, accompany other people who preach or teach, listen to radio lessons on the topic. There are books for people who aren't skillful at conversations, such as The Art of Small Talk. I'm not familiar with that, but he mentions one. He says, if you want to learn, the resources are available. I think, again, exactly right. All right. Uh, go ahead. John in Oklahoma says, while evangelism can be as simple as telling someone what convinced you to obey the truth, effective teaching comes with training, study, and effort. Learn from your mistakes. But never give up. Souls are at stake. So John says, well, you do need to learn what to say. Yeah, and I think I think that's a really good point. I mean, hopefully we get better at it. Yeah. You know, you weren't skilled at any job the first time you tried it. You had to develop a skill and ability and experience. Let this be the same way. You, certainly you may make some blunders, but you're learning in the process. You're learning what works well and what doesn't. Learn. And then along those lines, Jason in Pennsylvania says this may sound like an easy answer, but share the gospel. That's what you're supposed to say. Jason says is share the gospel, and if you know enough to obey the gospel, certainly you could tell others what you know about that. Okay, Anthony says if we don't know what to say at all, then we need to quote give diligence to show ourselves approved. Uh, I think that's right. In other words, if you if you don't know what to say, then that's saying something about you. If you yes. don't know at all what to say, yes. he says we need to spend time. 
spend more time in the scriptures, which are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Listening to the virtual Bible studies, a super way to be prepared to know what to say in spiritual discussions. Well, thank you, Anthony. And, of course, Anthony's one of our engineers, too, who often helps out in person. In fact, he was on the program with you last week. He was. But, but I think Anthony's right. This is a learning experience. We learned to deal with, like the last two weeks, Jake, we were dealing with a website that made some false claims about what we believe and practice. Yeah. And so we analyzed that and defended what we believe and practice. Yeah. That's a good exercise. It teaches us. Yeah. Uh, by the way. Yeah, okay, by the way. By the way, I contacted that guy yeah. who was the host of that website. Yes. He couldn't join us tonight. He's in a. In fact, he said he would be on an airplane at the very moment of our program tonight. But he has been offered a willingness to to meet us in person and discuss Isn't the that thing great. Uh, in the future. So we may get. I was surprised. Yeah, we may get hooked up good. with him. Good. I was going to give Anthony extra credit for a good answer there, but then he got he got those points taken away because he used a big word in the chat room that even people didn't understand. So uh, bad points for that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Chris in Georgia says. Uh, if you are a Christian, then you know what you did to be saved. Therefore, you should know what to say. Additionally, we are commanded to study, so be sure to spend time studying the Word. Yeah. You, um, know, you know, I might add a comment on that, too. With In the age of digital media, it's so easy for us to, to listen to things that would help us. Why not uh, Why not fill your, uh, your MP3 player or, or make a CD and put it in the car of sermons or discussions about scriptural things rather than filling your mind with the empty worldly things of that we there, and there are a lot of resources good resources available we try to make the virtual bible study a point of resource you get the podcast at least one day a week on your commute to and from work right you've got you've got some sure. things to listen to and we put a sermon podcast on there so there's there's at at least three commutes that are covered yeah but with the, with the things that you can get hey, just by, there's an hour yeah that, of more uh, an hour of the virtual Bible study and about thirty minute sermon so there's ninety minutes yeah. that you that that you probably would have been listening to stinky music on the radio or, or people complaining about uh, the, the election yeah. yeah oh come on let's go all right, all right. Chris in the U K says uh, when, uh, concerning this excuse I don't know what to say as before uh, he said pray that you will be given the words to say and the wisdom to know should pray for wisdom. Exactly right. I agree with that. And Jeff uh, says uh, means we should study more and be ready to give an answer. First Peter three fifteen. No, I think that's exactly right. Uh, that one, I think, I think we're all on the same page with that excuse. That's an excuse. I mean, you're actually condemning yourself by offering that excuse. And a lot of excuses do end up to be self-condemning sort yeah. of statements. Yeah. And that really is one. I mean, I'm admitting that I haven't applied myself. I haven't invested the energy to be an informed Christian. And therefore, I don't know what to say. That's a self-condemning statement. Hey, and if you want another, if you want another hour on your commutes back and forth to work, the scripturalway.org. Scripturalway.org. Yeah, John, John John's Duvall's, in the chat room. John's in the chat room. There's another a, hour. They do a Tuesday night program that you can download and listen to that. We've got two and a half hours. We've almost got your weekly commute covered. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky enough to just have two and a half hours worth of commute. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point. The next excuse, what is the it? The next excuse is, we're going to have to hurry, Jacob. The next excuse is, I just live the gospel with my life. And the point of that is, I don't have to say anything. I'm just going to be an example, and they'll learn from the example that I set before them. I'm, I've known Christians who said that publicly in Bible classes and stuff. I, I just think as long as we're living example, that's all we have to do is their argument. Does it work? Let's talk about, Let's it. Talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue after the bullet point.
Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Surely you've seen them, those drivers who are so busy talking on their cellular phones that they sit through a green light or ignore some other important traffic situation. We've even seen people talking on their cell phone and eating a sandwich all while driving the car. Driving is a serious activity that demands our devoted attention. Things like cell phones and sandwiches tend to distract us, making driving even more dangerous. Published statistics clearly point out the dangers of distracted driving. When two or more such distractions are added together, watch out. An accident is likely to follow. Now, make a spiritual application. Living life in this world is a very serious activity. It demands our undivided attention. The problem is that we too often allow ourselves to be distracted by the things of the world. When that happens, a spiritual accident is sure to follow. And we're not just talking about the sinful things that can distract us. Certainly there are plenty of those. Wickedness abounds in our society and we're confronted with multiple temptations every day. Constant vigilance is necessary. But in addition to these things, there is the danger that we will get so busy with the non-sinful activities of our day-to-day lives that we might forget that our main pursuit is supposed to be serving God. Our jobs, our families, our recreation, and a host of other things can crowd God out of our lives. Add two or three such distractions together, and you're simply a spiritual accident looking for a place to happen. Be careful. Stay focused. Philippians 3, verse 13 says, Reach forth into those things which are before, and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we do remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Talking about excuses that don't work in the realm of evangelism. Yeah, we don't have time to cover it all, but there's been quite a word study going on in the chat room on the word pontificate. Okay. And so... uh, almost got stuck when you tried to get that out, didn't (laughs) So so, uh, we've got a... Quite a, you'll have to get in the chat room. I think that's what you call a a a sidebar. Sidebar. Yeah, Yeah, sidebar. Okay. Um, Cut cut down the chatter in the the classroom tonight. uh, In regards to evangelism, that's what we're talking about tonight... Uh, Yes, 285 says, When Jesus began his ministry with evangelism, he called those who would eventually become his disciples with the simple invitation to come and see. One who heard him was Andrew, and he immediately went and told his brother, Peter. You find that in John 1. I invited my barber for over four years to come to our gospel meeting each fall and spring. She finally decided to come and was eventually converted, and she has been one of the best personal workers. And what she does most effectively is to get people to come and see. There you go. Very interesting. Good. Yes. Appreciate those comments. All right. Randall mentions 1 Peter 3.15 in the chat room. Uh, we're supposed to be ready to give an answer, uh, and, and that's been suggested by several. I think it's a really good verse uh, concerning our need to get the word out. Let's move a little quicker here. We're not getting. We're not covering. What about the idea I could just live the life before them, Jacob? I don't have to say anything. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just live the life before them, and that will be enough. Well, let's see what our listeners say about that. Uh, 
Uh, Patrick in uh, Birmingham says a lot of people want to throw around this quote of uh, St. Francis, preach the gospel always, use words when necessary. There's quite a profound truth in it. Our lives should be living testimonies to Christ. But if you're going to quote St. Francis as justification for your actions, then do what St. Francis did. Besides that fact that St. Francis did preach verbally, he also did got rid of all earthly possessions. He lived in complete poverty for the sake of heaven. He preached humil- humility beyond what most of us can comprehend. Unless you consider yourself so holy that it's unnecessary to speak of Jesus, I suggest you reconsider this argument. I, I think that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah. And, you, know, you, it, got it, you do have to be an example. It's, a, it's absolutely essential to be a good example, yeah, or right. you're not going to have any no. credibility to teach someone, yeah. but that can't be all. In other words, if someone saw you living a really good Right. Example as a Christian. In other words, you're a good husband, a good father, a good employee, a good citizen in the country, great neighbor. Uh, they would, you, you could do all that. They would never learn the plan of salvation. Yeah. So you got, you're going to have to do some teaching. You yeah. Be ready to do that teaching. Okay. Uh, uh, John says, living the gospel is letting our light shine. However, we cannot live the gospel if we're not obeying the Lord. Mm-hmm. Willfully choosing to avoid studying the Bible with unbelievers is a sin, and not living the gospel in your life. Good comments. And Jason in Pennsylvania says uh, there are many Mormons uh, that may be nicer than you. Unless you open your mouth, Jesus will not be glorified. The focus will only be on the good things you do, not on him. Our lives without a confession of Christ does not teach the gospel. Anthony says we absolutely should be good examples and show Christ living in us, but we should also do our best to teach others through words. We should do both. All right, and uh, Chris in Atlanta says that is great for you to live the gospel with your life, but part of living the gospel is obeying Christ who commanded us to teach, Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 19. All right, and uh, Chris in the U.K. says, I suppose this idea comes from the Saint, that St. Saint, Saint Francis uh, quote that, that Patrick mentioned earlier, but in Romans 10, beginning verse 14, he says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. But they did not all hearken to the glad tidings. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report. So belief cometh of hearing and hearing of the word of God. Right. So we've got to get the word. They've got to hear the word if they're going to have faith. And Jeff in Columbia says, It is a good thing to live our lives as examples, but it is not enough. A right. mo- un- unanimous decision there that that is an inadequate right. excuse. All right. Um, all right, let's keep moving here. Let's take let's the go. next Move one. Move fast. Uh, no excuses here. For I'm delay. waiting for the perfect timing. Yeah. I just want you know, uh, I'm going to do it. I mean, I mean for sure. I'm going to talk to somebody, uh, but I just, I just got to get, now. I just got to get the. Oh man, I'm just waiting for just the right time to say. It. Of course, I've been waiting for the last five years with this yeah, individual. Yeah. I've been knowing this individual for five years. We've been working together. We take coffee break together. We eat lunch together. Uh, he's been over to my house. I've been over to his house. Uh, you know, we're good friends, but I'm still waiting for that perfect opportunity. Monty, what about waiting for the perfect opportunity? In my experience on this earth, very rarely, if never, the perfect opportunity comes for anything. And people that are successful in evangelizing or whatever they choose to do with their time do it and are successful because they make opportunities rather than waiting for a perfect one. They go ahead and make the best of whatever opportunity they have, and the perfect one's not going to come, so just go ahead and do it anyway. All right. Good point. Good point. Um, Patrick in Birmingham says, if you're waiting for the perfect time, then you'll wait forever. G.K. Chesterton said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. The point is, stop using lack of perfect skills or circumstances as an excuse for laziness. It's better to do something imperfectly than not 
at all, if it's worth doing at all. Do you know G.K. Chesterton? Yeah, he's famous. Oh, is he? A famous author. Okay. Well, that's good. That's a good quote there. Uh, number four, uh, sh we should not wait for the perfect time. We should be watching for the first available opportunity. This is uh, from John. How many of the first century teachers waited for the perfect time? You could make that point, John. That's a good one. That uh, It wasn't a really convenient time or a good time for them to share the gospel. In fact, it was probably a bad time. It was a bad time because it cost a lot of their lives. Yeah, that's right. Throwing in prison and everything. Yep. Uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says, now is the perfect time. Your friend that you're waiting to talk to may not be alive tomorrow. This is a common approach when we're trying to build relationships with lost people that we want to share the gospel with later on once we get close. This is not biblical. We're assuming that we will get the opportunity to share the gospel with them two years down the road. We need more urgency. We need to act now, not till we feel comfortable to do it. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 7 says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Good comments, and uh, that may be a good point. Uh, the longer you wait, maybe your friend uh, finds that the gospel is less important to you and less urgent. Uh, I've known him for five years, and he's just now bringing this up. Yeah, well, it must not be very important to him. No, no. Uh, Randall in the chat room says the perfect opportunity is when the person is standing in front of you. Good point. Okay. Uh, Anthony says by email, if we consciously think and operate on the principle that we're waiting for the perfect time, that time will never come. As soon as we establish the mindset of procrastination, which is basically the case with this excuse, we'll always find a way to justify that the situation just isn't right. All right. And uh, Chris uh, in Atlanta says, I agree with the writer of this article. Uh, there is no perfect time, just like there is no perfect time to go on a diet or no perfect time to exercise. You will always be able to find a reason not to do what you should. I like the quote by Napoleon Hill. Do not wait. The time will never be just right. Start where you stand. Very good. Okay. Chris in the U.K. says there uh, now is the accepted day, the time. Today is the day of salvation. We can't boast of tomorrow, so do what you can when you can. And Jeff says ask Agrippa if there's a convenient time or a perfect time. Acts 26, verse 28. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, that was just number four. We got ten of these things. Number five I'm doing is... some math here, and it isn't going to work. We're going to have to hurry a lot here. Number five is... I don't have the gift of evangelism. All right. Uh, what, what about, about that? What about that? Money. Gift? Is there a gift of evangelism? You got a gift? Uh, as I read through the Bible, assuming that we believe that spiritual gifts were still in existence, I don't recall one being listed as a gift of evangelism. I believe what we need to do is just yeah. we can develop that gift in ourselves, so to speak, by going out and practicing. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4.11? Yeah, Ephesians 4 says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Some of those gifts were of uh, miraculous uh, nature, but not all of them were. Uh, and, and certainly it is true that different people have different abilities but this is an excuse that's offered. In other words, all of us have some ability to share what we believe with others. It, we're not denying that some people have a greater skill at doing this. Some, you know, some people just it, it's much easier for them and their personality type to reach out and talk to strangers and so forth. Some people are very introverted. But you can't say it's just it's just not in me. I don't have the ability. I, I I'm just not made that way. Because the scripture says you have to do that. And therefore, if the scripture says you have to do it, it's obvious you can do it. Irregardless of your personality type, you can do it, and God expects you to be done. All right. So let's see what our listeners say. Patrick says, uh, you may not have the gift of teaching, but you do have other gifts. You can be hospitable. Invite your friend or neighbor over for dinner. Ask them to stay for your family Bible reading, prayer, devotional. You do practice regular prayer as a family, right? You may have any number of gifts. Use what you have instead of complaining about what you don't have. 
Okay. Uh, John says, what does one mean by saying gift of evangelism? If you're talking about the gift to persuade men with your words, then no one, not even Jesus, had this gift. While on the earth, Jesus' success rate in converting people was quite low compared to all who heard his voice. It has been suggested that Barnabas was probably more eloquent than the Apostle Paul, but that did not stop the Apostle Paul from teaching. Okay. Interesting observation. And uh, let's see here. Jason Jason in Pennsylvania says uh, evangelism isn't a gift, it's a command. Yeah, well... I mean, yeah, and, and some people are more gifted in it. We have to admit Yeah, that. and I think that's the way the word is being used here. I don't have the gift of... No, we use the expression gift of gab. Some people have the gift of gab. Sure. In other words, it's easier for some people to talk than others. And we we would acknowledge it's easier for some people to do evangelism than others, but that doesn't excuse the people who for whom it is not real easy. Okay. doesn't excuse them. All right, uh, Anthony says, maybe not, but God doesn't expect perfection or even tangible results. He just expects us to do our best. That's something that's been left out of the discussion so far, and is that is God is not asking us for results. He's just asking us to sow the seed. Good point. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, there are a lot of things I don't have the gift for, but God has commanded us to spread the gospel. Here's the great thing about it. God told us to sow. He has the hard part of making the seed. He has the hard part of making the seed grow. God, in his wisdom, uses imperfect people to spread the perfect message. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to try. All right. And uh, Chris in the U.K. says uh, there is no gift of evangelism, so the imperfection implication. implication is that we are all to do evangelism, though some are evangelists, but I think that there are, in a pioneer sense, say, as a church planner. All right. And Jeff says the least we can do is set up a Bible, set up a study with someone who is more comfortable in these situations. In other words, maybe I don't feel real capable of teaching, but I know this guy. He's a friend of mine. I'm going to set it up, and I'm going to invite someone else to come who who does feel more comfortable in actually doing the teaching. And then, and then the job gets done. That's what Randall said in the chat room. He says he tells the members where he is in the church there that if they're too shy to teach. St. They- Roberts, Missouri. St. Roberts, Missouri, that they could invite their friends along over along with him and his wife, and he'll teach the Bible study. There you go. They can exercise hospitality, and together we can accomplish the teaching of those people And I don't have that I don't have normal contact with. There you go. Very good. All right. There's an open invitation from Randall to come to your house. All right. Um, have we got time for one more before the break? Let's take one more. They could reject me. Okay. Uh, the reason I don't do it is because I'm, 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 I'm afraid that they could reject me. Bonnie. That's an easy one. If fear of rejection is a problem for you, get over it because they're going to reject you. Uh, the majority of the people rejected Jesus, and, and I'm not better at, at, at anything than him. So I just need to accept that that's going to happen and go ahead and do it anyway. Jesus huh? actually said that it would happen, didn't he? I mean, yeah. he told us yeah. to expect rejection. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not I an mean, excuse. I mean, he even said expect persecution. They're going to hate you and kill some of you over it. So, I mean, it's hard to get more rejected than being killed over it. So we just well to accept that that's how it's going to be. We know it's how it's going to be, and then go ahead and do what we're supposed that, to that, do anyway. That, that that would be almost like me saying, "I'm not going to get out of bed tomorrow because the sun might be shining." Yeah, I'm no. not going outside. I might get the top of my bald head sunburned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this states the obvious about rejection. Obviously, we're going to get rejected. God's people have always been rejected well, when teaching the truth. And uh, and as Jesus said, they're not rejecting us, and we need to remember that they weren't re- rejecting Jesus. They were rejecting His Father. Look at uh, John 12:48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word I have spoken, the same will judge in the last day. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 well, the one that said that they reject His Father. Uh, they're not rejecting him, they're rejecting his father. But anyhow, that's okay. not the verse I was looking for, sorry. Uh, 
Well, I think I can find one here in uh, maybe First Thessalonians chapter four, four verse eight. Yeah, is that the one you were thinking of? No, uh, no, it wasn't. But it came up in my search here. That's why I he knew. that re- he that despises despises not man but God. Yeah. In other words, if you if they reject, you're rejecting God. Uh, I see Kevin Kelly in the chat room. Kevin, we hadn't seen you while. Okay. Good to see you. Luke in there again. ten verse sixteen. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despises you despises me. And he that despises me despises him that sent me. So, All right, yeah. so it's in there. there you All go. right, very good. Uh, real quickly, let's let's get our emails in. Uh, Patrick says yes about rejection. Yes, get over it. In Luke nine twenty six. Uh, that's the one you just read, Jacob. Uh, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, oh, of him, him yeah. shall the Son of Man be ashamed. Second yeah. Timothy one eight through nine. Be not ashamed, therefore, the testimony of the Lord, nor me his prisoner. Uh, Matthew ten thirty seven. He that loveth the father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and so on. So yeah, we've been told to expect rejection. John in Oklahoma says, "Yes, people may reject you, but truly they are rejecting Jesus." And as Jesus said, "He who hears you hears me. He rejects me. Reje- rejects you. Rejects me. He rejects me. Rejects him who sent me." John Luke ten sixteen. Such rejection did not stop the first century teachers seen in the New Testament. All right, and uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says, if you're being faithful, you will get rejected a lot. But in the end, it's not you they are rejecting, but the Lord. Also, you'll be very surprised how many strangers would be willing to let you ask them questions about their beliefs. Remember, you're not a failure in evangelism if you get rejected by everyone. You're successful if you're obeying the Lord, whether they listen or not. All right. And Anthony says, true, this is probably the second biggest obstacle to personal evangelism. No, one's to, one, no one wants to feel like an outsider or like they're weird. However, we're told in Scripture that the world may well, very well hate us. John 15, verse 19, we shouldn't, shouldn't let this surprise or deter us. Having said this, I think it is not too terribly hard for us to accept that a total stranger thinks we're weird or churchified. I think that the the problem arises when we're afraid that people we're close to, friends, family, co-workers, will reject us or think we're odd. I guess we just have to press on, however. I would be interested in hearing others' thoughts on teaching and talking to co-workers. I think we have to be careful what we say such that we don't run afoul of corporate policy. These people can still tell a great deal about our spirituality by the things we say or might more likely what we don't say and do. Okay. Um, uh, Chris in Atlanta says... People who say this are looking at it all wrong. They are not rejecting you, but rejecting God. We cannot control what people do with the gospel message, but we can control how much we share that message. And Chris in the U.K. says uh, they were rejecting Christ at the end of the day, plus they could accept They might as well. just accept. They might reject you. In fact, most will. Most will, but some will accept it, and that's what we're looking for. And Jeff says they might and they might not. He quotes 1 Corinthians 3, verses yep. 6 and 7. Jeff echoes that. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Let's take a break, and we got three more to go. We got four more to go, so we got to hurry. All right. No, we got one, two, three. Yeah, we got four to go. Four so, more to go. So okay. we'll get them uh, as we head to the top of the hour. Go quick, Monty. Get us to a break and get us back so we can finish up. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 
888-344-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Among people who identify as Christians but rarely attend church, 60% have been divorced. Of those who attend church regularly, 38% have been divorced. Active, quote, conservative Protestants who regularly attend church are 35% less likely to divorce compared to those who have no affiliation. But on the other hand, nominally attending, quote, conservative Protestants are 20% more likely to divorce compared to secular Americans. Those statistics are via the Baptist press. The Word of God says in Malachi chapter 2, beginning verse 15, Take heed then to your spirit, and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program. We're going fast as we cover four more Top ten excuses. We're looking at the top ten excuses. This will be the bottom ten, I think. Top ten lame excuses for people not sharing their faith. we got one that... That I think everybody kind of yeah, thinks is funny. I have bad breath. And yeah, lots uh, of responses here for good oral hygiene. Yeah, Patrick in Birmingham says, you're not even trying to come up with believable excuses anymore, are you? Brush, floss, rinse, see your dentist, visit the health food store and try some tooth powder. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that word means. Some kind of tooth powder or herbal products. In the meantime, invest in some gum, mints, or breast spray. If all else fails, buy a face mask. You can write pamphlets, leave them on people's car windshields. There's things to do. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's, that's just. Uh, I think the reason that that excuse is there, it's kind of funny. Just shows we'll come up with something one way or the other to avoid this responsibility. Yeah, we. I, we, I mean, John says uh, brush, you know, chew gum. Same as uh, what uh, Jason of Pennsylvania has said. So you know, it's unanimous. Anthony suggests a mint. Um, uh, what we got? Chris in Atlanta. I've never heard. That. Chris says I never heard that excuse. But if someone feels that way, then buy a tin of Altoids mints and don't stand too close to the person you're speaking to. I'm being a bit silly about that, but my point is, if you look hard enough, you always find an excuse. It's just like waiting for the perfect time. And uh, Chris in the uh, UK says yes, and that matters how. <laughs> he says there's avenues like Twitter or Facebook. And Jeff in Columbia just concludes as a joke. Yeah, and that's, just yeah. making a joke of a serious responsibility. Oh, we dispatched that one in a hurry. Okay. I don't know how to bring it up is the next excuse. Number eight is I don't know how to bring it up. How do you open the door? How do you get that conversation Money, how do you started? open the door? Well, there could be lots of ways to go about doing it, but if you're not sure how, just jump right in the middle of it and do it and <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, just like you would do with anything else. Huh? Yeah, but you can always say, hi, how are you doing? That's a good way to get started and introduce yourself. And you can ask them some lead-in question to, to some spiritual matter. You know, have, are you a Christian is one thing, or what religious... Uh, persuasion are you? I mean, there's lots of ways to go about. You know, if I had, if I was meeting a stranger for the first time and I was trying to initiate a conversation, I might say, "Who do you like in the college football season this year?" Or something. I mean, I don't know that he even likes college football, but I might try to break. I, typically, we try to break the ice and start a conversation. If we're at the gas station, we can whine to him about how high gas is and, now, and, 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 we'll start and a go com- from there. We start conversations with total strangers. If we can do that, we can start a conversation about spiritual things. All right, uh, John in 
Oh, we we skipped Patrick. Didn't yeah, we? he did. He didn't have a comment. Okay, so. uh, John says uh, training with more experienced teachers could help. Learn to be watchful for any opportunity. The more you try, the more you will learn. Some people are very good at that. Watch them. Learn from them. Very mm-hmm. good. Uh, That's little, sort of what uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says. Uh, Jason says, use icebreakers. For example, ask questions. My favorite way to start a discussion is to walk up to a stranger and ask, can I ask you a question? They say yes, over 90% of the time, giving you an open door to ask any spiritual question you want. You can also use tracks. Hand someone a track and ask them if they got one yet. Uh, they'll feel like they're missing out on something. If they ask what it is, tell them it's a gospel track that teaches how to get to heaven. Then ask them if they died right now, would they go to heaven? Anthony, so there's some specific techniques he uses. Anthony says, I have to admit this is probably the one excuse that gets me the most. As far as totally bringing up spiritual issues out of the blue, I really don't know what to say many times. It's the icebreakers to me that, uh, that to me personally are so hard to come up with. In fact, I would love to hear other suggestions and success stories, real practical examples. We might need to spend some more time on that. Anthony and I have talked about that before. You know, What, what are some practical ways to bring up spiritual discussions? We mm-hmm. may want to talk more about that in the future. Okay. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, I don't think it's necessary. there's a necessary right or wrong way to bring it up. Just try something, and if that's not good, then next time try something else. The point is we must try. Another quote that I like is, better to do something imperfectly than to do nothing perfectly. Uh, you know, try. That, that that will come with experience. You'll find out some things don't work well at all and other things work better. Keep trying. Chris in the U.K. Uh, says he, I think he's referring to God, will be the guide and will bring the opportunity. We can pray for opportunities and wisdom, as we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Jeff says topics will arise. Yeah. You're going to have the opportunity. I don't think it's necessarily look the opportunities for just taking advantage of the ones that present themselves. Yeah, they're going to be there. You use them. I think okay. that's right. All right. We're running we're short on time. We're going, to, we're going to get there. How about the, the number nine? Number nine, lame excuse for not sharing your faith is I'm terrified. I'm terrified. You, you think you're the first one to ever be afraid of you know repercussions? You know, I'm terrified because if I bring it up, this guy may make fun of me. The, the Christians of the first century were terrified because if they brought it up, they could get their heads cut off. Now, who's got it worse? <laughs> right? Yeah. So what, what's the word? I, mean, what, I think to me that's the way to approach that. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Yeah. I bring this up. What's the worst thing that could happen? They could they could reject me, belittle me, ridicule me, not want to have anything to do with me. Big deal. Monty? I, I've been made fun of for, for so many things in my life. Being made fun of is <laughs> not really an issue anymore. You're sort of over that. I, I'm huh? used to that one. Okay. So, you know, that's not something we need to worry about because everybody, we all get made fun of over something from time to time. So just, it's one of the other things, get over it and keep going. Right. Uh, Patrick says, perfect love cast out fear. Romans 8, 14 through 15. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you receive not the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Pray for courage. But even if you do feel fear, do it anyway. There's virtue in doing what is right despite feeling fear. And human experience witnesses to the fact that, that fear is diminished when we simply do what we fear doing. You get over the fear by doing what you fear. And John says, try going to Bible studies with experienced teachers. Start learning today. It no, may... that's that's the that's the previous one. Oh, no, he says that oh, again. Yeah. No, oh, he, he mentions it again. Oh, yeah. It may take you a long while to overcome the fear. However, watching someone else as they deal with rejection, questions, ridicule, etc. will help you overcome the fear. Jason says, quotes Luke 12, verse 5, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. In other words, we fear men. We ought to fear God. And he's the one who told us we're supposed to be doing this job. If we don't, 
were accountable to him. He goes on to say the worst persecution you're going to get at this time in this country is to have an atheist call you mindless, have a door slammed in your face, or at worst have some issues with law enforcement telling you to stop preaching in public or handing out tracts. If we are not sharing the gospel, when we have the right to free speech, we surely won't when those we lose those freedoms. Take someone with you. It will make you bolder in proclaiming the gospel, and you have someone to hold you accountable if you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two to preach the gospel of the kingdom, Mark 7, 6, verse 7. Remember that God promises to be with you. This is an important thing we too often forget. God promises as his disciples that he is with us. Jesus told his disciples in the Great Commission, Behold, I am with you always, even into the, unto the end of the age, Matthew 28, verse 20. Thank you, Jason. Uh Kevin says fear probably should be the first one on the list as far as excuses. Uh, but he goes on to say everyone has fear to some extent. Scripture tells us to overcome it. Anthony says there are plenty of biblical characters who overcame fear and impossible odds to accomplish what God commanded them. If we apply Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we can overcome our fears. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says you're terrified. So are most people. Just ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen? My guess is maybe ridicule or losing a friend. Seems very insignificant compared to what Paul and other apostles endured and what people in other parts of the world endure. And uh, Chris in the U.K. references 1 John 4.18, uh, which I think was already referenced by Patrick. All right. And Jeff says, uh, scene number five, which is, if you're afraid, get somebody to go with you. Set up get someone who's more comfortable to, to, to study, but you set up the study. Okay. All right, real quick, we, we're down to the last one. They may. 285 says to overcome fear it takes moral courage like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapters 1, 3, and 6. Yeah, they're great examples. Finally, the last one, we're just almost out of time. They may ask me a question I don't have the answer to. I, I've heard that a lot, and, and I'm, I'm sure I've felt that way too. <clears throat> but, you know, actually, that's an open door to a, to another study. They ask you a question you don't answer. You say, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find out, and we'll get back together and discuss that. You know, this is an, excuse. This is an excuse that anyone could use. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, anyone could be asked nobody, a question. Nobody knows the answer to every question. Yeah. It's sort of presumptuous to think that I would be able to answer any possible question that come up on the Bible or any other subject for that matter. So since yeah. I already know up front that I don't know everything, this is an easy one. Let's go anyway. <laughs> uh Patrick in Birmingham says you must study and learn. But if you do hear a question you can't answer, simply admit that you don't know and say, I'll find out and get back to you. And then you actually find out and get back to them. And uh, John says if they ask you a question which you do not know the answer, then say, this is a great question. I'll have to look that up. Write the question down and look for the answer when you get home. Call someone if you need to. Be sure to, to answer the question during the next study. Do not try to fake the answer or pretend you know the answer when you yeah, don't. That's I think a good that, point. That's a good point. Don't, don't shoot from the hip. Don't, don't just fly, answer off the cuff. If you don't know the answer, say so, and then get the and, answer. And that will cause, if, if someone's sincerely uh, studying with you, that will cause them to respect you more than they would if you try to fake it and act like you know yeah, everything. Yeah, Anthony says this would be a great opportunity to have a follow-up study to answer that question. Was that Anthony or that was Jason? Oh, that was Jason. Anthony said, I used uh, to do corporate training. One thing we were told as new hires was never make up an answer, never fake it. If someone asks you a question you can't answer, tell them. I'll research that and get back to you. We can and should do this in spiritual discussions if we need to. While it is not ideal, we shouldn't be ashamed to admit we need to study or research a spiritual question. This demonstrates honesty, integrity, and a desire to know the truth. Great qualities to display to someone you're trying to convert. Of course, the more we study, the less often we should find ourselves with a question we can't answer. All right. 
uh, Chris in Atlanta says you can answer any question that's asked. I guarantee it. If you're asked something that you do not have an answer for, then use 12 words. I don't know, but I will find out and let you know. This is a great answer because no one knows everything. It's also good when you're asked things that you do not have an answer for. It gives you a great opportunity to study and learn something new. There may be some questions that we cannot answer, but anything pertaining to how to become a Christian is clear and plainly taught in the Scriptures. And Chris in the U.K. says this is why we are to study. But then again, there's First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 he references to be ready to give an answer. Yeah, so we, hopefully we can begin to limit the times we have to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know, say you don't know. And then Jeff says, be honest and say you need to study on that subject. You can get back to them on that. And subject. Kevin says, grow, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Second Peter 3.18. Uh, so uh, you have to be growing in, in your knowledge of the scriptures. All right. Well, great. I, I, uh, we made it. It's, it's, uh, our hour is up. We made it through the top ten. We didn't have to share many of our ideas because our listeners... Oh, man, we had a great response tonight. Lots of emails, a lot of talk in the chat room. Thanks to everybody who participated. All right. Good discussion tonight, and uh, we appreciate uh, that. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to do a listener question smorgasbord. So we did, we've got a bunch of questions that have come in over time. We're going to try to deal with some of those. All right, so here's the call to our listeners uh, to sneak yours in. We got en- we got we got enough to fill the whole program. I, I think we've already got enough right now, but we, oh, well, keep sending them send, in because we stockpile them and we get to them over time. All right, all right, good. Monty, thank you for being here tonight. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you for your comments, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jay. And thank you for being here on the program. We hope you benefited from your study and discussion of God's Word with us on the program tonight. And we do encourage your questions or comments at any time related to a topic we've discussed or suggesting a question or topic for a future discussion. We welcome those at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.